For decades, America has struggled to combat the harms of drug use, but the harms have increased and the fight is endless because we've been wrong. What if we changed our drug policies to actually decrease the harms of drug use and increase thriving for all of us? Our criminal approach to drugs had a beginning and it will have an end. Join us on the journey to end it for good. Welcome back to the End It For Good podcast, where we want to invite you to consider ending our criminal approach to drugs for good as the best option we have to reduce harm to people and allow more people to thrive. It's not a perfect option, but it is the best option, we believe. I'm Christina Dent, your host, along with my co-host, Mike Madison. Today, we're going to be answering more common objections that we have heard to these ideas of a regulated, decriminalized approach to drugs. There are seven common objections that um, Mike and I have regularly heard. Uh, Last time, we answered the first four of those. Today, we're going to address the last three of them. We hope that you'll join us on this episode and future episodes. If you would like to participate, either by uh, submitting questions or comments or sharing your story of how either a criminal approach to drugs has affected you or uh, your story of redemption, we would love to hear from you. You can submit those at podcast at enditforgood.com. You can email those to us. We would love to um, have you be part of the show as well. Uh, all right. Another question is, um, and this is certainly, this is an easy one that, that I know I've struggled with, was one was addiction will increase. Addiction rates will increase. There'll just be this market and it will just be Mardi Gras drugs on the street. Mm-hmm. So there's one country that has tried a different approach, uh, not to the drug market, but to drug use, and that's Portugal. So they've decriminalized all drugs in 2001. You are no longer um, subject to jail for using drugs. If it's heroin, cocaine, uh, everything, marijuana, everything is decriminalized there. They do not treat people who use drugs criminally anymore. They treat it as a health issue, and they've developed a robust healthcare system to help combat addiction. So they're not focused anymore on punitive punishment for people, hoping that that scares them out of drug use and addiction. They're focused on what does research say actually helps people to not use and to beat addiction. Their problematic drug use rates have dramatically decreased. Their injection drug use rates have dramatically decreased almost in half. And they had one of the worst heroin problems in Europe at the time when they decided to do this. They didn't do this because they were seeing relatively little harms and they thought, well, I don't know, maybe we should just try something to see if it could be even better. Um, Their country was being ravaged by heroin. Um, And that should be uh, a wake-up call to the U.S. that's currently being ravaged by heroin for what can happen if instead of giving people more trauma in their lives, uh, we actually seek to reduce the level of trauma that they experience uh, and try not to just force and threat their way out of uh, drug use. There's been so much um, research into what actually drives addiction. And for many people, Uh, Trauma, specifically childhood trauma, is a big driver of addiction. I was talking to a woman um, who had struggled with addiction for most of her life from teenage years on. And she was telling me her story and said, you know, I went to 13 different treatment facilities before I was able to stay sober. The difference in that 13th facility is that they dealt with why I was using drugs. When I was in those other 12, I knew while I was there 
that I was going to go back to using because they weren't dealing with the root of my addiction. They were just trying to get me sober from the chemicals, but the chemicals weren't driving my addiction. The dysfunctional and incredibly harmful childhood that I had, my home life, all of that emotional pain is what I was numbing with those drugs. And you can take the drugs out, but until you deal with all of that trauma, when you when I got back out, she's talking, when she got back out, all of that pain is still there and it's still undealt with. And for most people, the 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 desperate need to medicate that emotional and psychological uh, trauma is too much for them to be able to uh, to stay sober if that's not dealt with in some way. And so that's, that's a lot, you know, people have that same struggle with food. You'll see oh, people yeah. that, uh, that have real weight problems until they get help to under, you know, to uncover the underlying thing. Right. So addiction is yeah. just very similar to that. Right. And every kind of addiction is this way. How we long? just don't criminalize other people's addiction. My right. snacking habits, somebody else's gambling difficulties, somebody else's pornography difficulty. There's so many ways that we, anesthetize ourselves, attempt to anyway, against the pain of life that we don't want to have to deal with. Right. And for most of us, we just are met with a health response to that. Um, even for something like smoking, so smoking cigarettes, you can smoke cigarettes uh, your whole life. And when you go to the hospital, they don't say, well, you did this to yourself. We're not going to treat you. Yeah. We say, you know what? You shouldn't have done that. That's really harmful to your health. But we're still going to treat you. You're still a person. You're still valuable and worthy. And we just have been told this narrative about people who use drugs uh, that has been so harmful to the way that we're able to treat them. And the more that I learned about the drivers of addiction um, is really where a lot of my passion for this came from in realizing the people who we are harming with our criminal approach to drugs, people who are struggling with addiction, are often people who have been harmed the most already. So we're layering on we're more layering trauma. on more harm for people who have already been harmed, for whom we should, in many ways, have the most compassion for things that were beyond their control. They grew up in um, places where they were abused, and instead of saying, "I am so sorry," how can we help you deal with all of the pain you're experiencing from that? We say, "You're worthless." And we kick you to the curb. Well, there's not a lot of talk about that. The real, I think the view is, and I've certainly had it, and you probably have had it before, anybody who touches illegal drugs is weak. They are just a bit of a loser in life. The, the idea of trauma or dealing with something is left in the past. And it, it, you, I think weakness is probably what I hear more than anything, is they mm-hmm. were just weak and they, they can't stay off drugs. And that person judging them for being weak doesn't know what they've walked through, doesn't know what their life has been. Mm-hmm. And there's also people who, you know, have, like we say, have used alcohol or used uh, uh, food or things like that. We, we all really have some weaknesses. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, the emotional trauma side of that thing uh, is one thing that I've learned that's been very interesting it's not as much the chemical that addicts right. people near as much as i thought it was mm-hmm. it was the underlying trauma in somebody's life yes and that so the book chasing the scream i would highly recommend to anybody uh listening by johan hari um he does a great job of of bringing that research out of the research into the um, the role of emotional trauma um driving addiction and it's just so interesting and the more i think that we begin to change the way that we think about uh what is the underlying causes of addiction, 
when you can realize that research says this is a big driver for this, and it's not so much about the chemicals as it is what those chemicals allow a person to numb, um, you begin to realize incarceration is probably the worst possible yeah. thing that we could do for people struggling with addiction. Uh, there's a doctor, Dr. Gabor Mate in Canada, who said uh, he spent his life working with addicted people and understanding what causes and drives uh, many of their addiction. And he has said, if I could um, design a system to keep addiction going on a massive scale, I would design the United States War on Drugs because it, it, it perpetuates what is driving addiction, perpetuates trauma and disconnection, ripping people out of their families, ripping people out of their communities, exposing them to the incredibly traumatic environment of our jail systems. Yeah. Um, that's, we should sit and think about that. Oh, of, you know, this is what we're doing. This is not six of one, half a dozen of the other. If it was, I wouldn't be here. There's other things in the world that need changing other than something that just, well, we could treat it this way or that way. It doesn't really matter. This isn't that. This is what we're doing is actually creating a lot of the problems that we're seeing. It's like this self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. And so the, the idea is that there's a big table of drugs or cocaine in the middle of a room and there's 10 people in there it's the it's the three that have the emotional trauma that go to it it's not all 10 people because the chemical is drawing them to it yeah you know, so addiction rates are drawn by the trauma rather than by the drugs themselves mm-hmm. is incredibly powerful so something that was very interested to learn all right uh another question uh simply and we've kind of t- already touched on this but just that drug use is immoral in itself yeah i, I think especially for um for people like me that are coming from a uh, Christian uh, worldview, it can be really hard to get past this idea to to think of um, our narrative around drugs has been so much that this is a moral issue um, and thus should be criminalized that certainly I know for myself, I never thought about the fact that there are lots of immoral things that are not criminalized. And I think we should even be very careful in how we think about drug use and morality because really any any substance that we're putting into our bodies is changing our body chemistry in some way. Um, when I had surgery a couple of years ago and I took opioids for pain for two days afterwards, um, I was changing the the chemistry of my body through that. That wasn't an immoral thing to do. I was taking opioids. They're, they're a medicine uh, from a plant that God put on the earth. Um, so I think we need to be careful about blanketly labeling the intake of substances as immoral um, to begin with. But even then, let's say that it was somebody who's using drugs problematically. It is harming their lives. They're struggling with addiction. Their family is suffering because of this. Um, There are lots of things that cause those same difficulties that destroy people's lives that are, even if you look uh, from a, a standpoint of the Bible, that are categorically sin. So we could say adultery is categorically sin. Um, It is immoral. You can't get around that. It always harms other people. Um, Pornography, sin, it it is always harmful. You can't get around that. Um, Those are not criminalized, and Christians aren't lobbying for those things to be criminalized, even though we realize they're incredibly harmful. Um, We say, well, they are incredibly harmful, but putting people in jail for that isn't going to fix that problem. We we have a cultural understanding that that really the the way out of a lot of these harms isn't jail. But we've been told for so many decades that drugs are different in some way that for them 
criminality is the way that you fix this problem. And they've been purposely demonized. I mean, almost a PR campaign to try to paint addiction in a light that is not accurate, wouldn't you say? I mean, yeah, like yeah, yeah. If you look historically, the book Chasing the Scream does a great job of, of showing that historical um, of how we even came, what caused us to criminalize drugs 100 years ago. Um, people like me who, who tend to have a high view of the law and of how we get our laws, um, I think would be very shocked to see how how this actually came about that that it wasn't in terms of it wasn't a way to decrease um uh harm and you could read more in the book about that johan hari will be joining us uh, on the podcast later in a couple of episodes talking about his research into why did we criminalize um drugs in the first place but i think we really need to um go back to that morality point and say okay um there is also a moral weight on the other side. So there can be a moral weight to someone's choice to use drugs, certainly. There is always a moral weight in how we respond to someone's drug use. So I don't get a free pass on my response just because somebody's doing something they shouldn't be. Um, I am responsible for my response. So if I'm supporting policies that are destroying people's lives and causing death, as I think our criminal approach to drug policies are, that moral weight falls on me, and I'm responsible for that. Whether or not the other person has a, a moral weight to their own choice to use drugs, there is always a moral weight on the other side, on the response side. And I think we have um, done a, uh, a good job as a culture of shutting out that side, of saying if somebody, does, if somebody breaks this law, whatever happens to them is okay. The problem is I don't think we're we're really saying, wait a second, but is this the right way to handle this? And if it's not, and we are on the side of enforcing these laws and supporting politicians who are enforcing these laws, then we have a real moral, um, uh, a moral weight to ourselves that we need to be um, considering. And I, I think there is a great deal of moral injury. I'm not alone in this thought. There's a lot of people who have talked about this, that there the criminalization of drugs is really causing um, moral injury to us as a culture as because you have to demonize people who use them and people who are struggling with addiction in order to be okay with what we're doing to them right. and their family. I mean, you, if you see them as somebody who is hurting and struggling with a very serious health issue that could also be a, a spiritual issue and a social issue, a family issue, but it's not a criminal issue. Um, if you begin to see it in a different light, it, it, you just cannot defend how putting them in jail and and further destroying their lives and traumatizing them um, is in any way a moral response, a response that uh, is taking care of our neighbors, that's loving people, um, that is being careful not to harm those who are already vulnerable among us, as research shows that um, many people who struggle with addiction are already vulnerable from other difficulties in their lives. So I think coming from it from a biblical perspective, uh, we have to say, okay, there's there's more at play here than just did somebody do something wrong. And, um, and most religions, or you know, uh, particularly Christianity, Judaism, these kinds of things, and in, in within the United States, are based on an idea, at least theoretically, of compassion. And when yeah. you, when you say well, someone just does drugs because they're weak. Well, aren't the weak among us those that are we're really called to help more mm-hmm. than anybody, but we're not helping them by throwing them into a cage and destroying their futures? Yeah. And the, the other thing I thought about that with the immoral uh, aspect is 
we all know people who at some point experimented with drugs, largely probably in college. You know, the college years mm-hmm. are known. I mean, I've got a lot of friends. I've never done cocaine, but I have a lot of friends who have who have done cocaine. And while that was not a wise choice for them in college, I wouldn't you know encourage people, oh, go experiment. That's up to them. But these people are in no way bad people, and they've become doctors and very mm-hmm. successful business owners and these kinds of things. And nobody looks at them today as immoral people just because they, you know, because they tried mm-hmm. this particular substance at some point. Right. And I think a lot of the stigma comes from when somebody now has a criminal record. Right. We assume, oh, somehow they are the bad people who have done drugs. No, it's that they're just the caught people. Right. Yeah, exactly. Not any different than the doctors and attorneys who have done the same thing. Uh, but just weren't caught or were caught, but were able to, you know, have the yeah. social connections or right. the financial uh, ability to uh, pay a fine instead of going to prison. Yeah, exactly. All right. And the one other question we've got here is it does not solve all of the harms that drugs cause in society. Legalization does not solve everything. Absolutely true. Yeah. We have to be willing to sit with this fact. The drug war is based on the idea that we can eradicate drugs from the face of the earth. It's just impossible. You We're can't do that. We're 100 years in. We're 100 years in. 100 years in. Years right in. Yeah. Millions of lives have been lost through murder, through overdose, through all kinds of other harms that come with this. Millions more lives have been destroyed through the trauma and disconnection and dislocation that comes through this. And we haven't eradicated drugs from the face of the earth at all. They're just as prevalent as they always have been, but we have been able to destroy a lot of people's lives in the meantime. Um, and I think it is so hard for us, especially in America, we just desire so badly to be able to kind of wrap things up in a, in a nice package and put a bow on top and be done with it. And substances that are potentially hazardous are something you just can't do that with. You will never eradicate all of the harm of alcohol. We're never going to eradicate all of the harm from marijuana, cocaine, or heroin. What we can do is say, okay, we're, we are willing to sit with the fact we have potentially hazardous substances on the earth with us. How can we handle those in the way that is least harmful to people and allows the most people to thrive? That's the choice that we have. There's no third option where they just go away. We have tried that. It has been an epic, total, complete disaster. Well, many people feel like we're just not hard enough on it. We just need to enforce the laws harder. We need more laws. We need more money. We need more law enforcement. We need more, more, more of these kinds of things. And then if they can finally get that. But, you know, one of the things that I always think is interesting is the— the uh, the concept that we can't keep drugs out of jails, yes. the, the most tightly controlled environment of the human animal ever, where you're they people are controlled from the well twenty four hours a day, com- strictly controlled, and we can't keep drugs out of prisons. Yeah, and, and absolutely. You know, now that I'm even saying this out loud, that goes to the thing where why is there a big demand for drugs in prison? Probably because people are are, are in an ongoing trauma. They are yeah. in a horrible situation, and they want to numb the pain of being locked into a cage. But yeah. once you realize that within the f- concrete walls and surveillance and all of the controls of an individual prison, to think that drugs can come in there, to think that you can keep them out of a country at large is just insane. It is. It is. It doesn't. It does not make sense. Um, but I think you know, for for people that are coming from uh, maybe a, a thought process like I have been coming from, um, I didn't know that drugs were in prison. I thought, no, no, we're you know, we've got prison is where things are controlled. 
Um, I, I, you know, I heard now and then, you know, there's uh, some violence in prison, sexual assault in prison. I thought, surely that's not widespread. It is rampant. Yeah. Absolutely rampant in prison. Um, and that, again, to the moral point, uh, is it moral to sentence somebody to what could be for them rape, physical assault, extortion from other inmates, gang violence, which is so prevalent in prisons? Would we sentence somebody to that as an actual sentence? I think we would be horrified. But that is what a prison sentence is in America today. Right. That plus, is prison environment. That loss just of is. job, loss of yes. relationships, loss of income. Uh, uh, yeah, with yes. yeah, a whole host of other yeah, and and it just goes to show um, because you know one of the things that I've heard prison officials say is so difficult for them is to find correctional officers who will not participate in the black market themselves right. of smuggling drugs into prison, which is another point to what happens with a black market. When there is money to be made, there are always people who are going to be willing to participate in that. So you're you're going to have corrections officers who are going to be willing to take drugs into the prisons. And that that just happens. It, it It is part of what happens when you have this huge pot of money. Um, and and for a very difficult job, would I want to go work in an environment like that? No, that would be one of the last jobs uh, on the planet that I would want to apply mm-hmm. for. Very difficult work and very difficult environment. Um, so if we can't keep drugs out of a maximum security prison, which we can't, they're in there. Um, and some people say, who have been in prison that I've talked to, said drugs are more available in prison than they were on the street. Um, that is, uh, incomprehensible. That's not going to be true in every prison, but nobody has said drugs were not available. They've all said, sure, I could have used drugs. Um, probably some do, some didn't get exposed to some new things. You've never even thought about trying. Yes. I heard, yes. I heard this recently that, that one of the things that they learned in prison was new ways of using drugs, new ways to cook them, new ways to prepare them, um, and that on top of new ways to commit crimes for other people. So you have somebody who's arrested on a marijuana charge. He's now being imprisoned or she is being imprisoned with somebody who might be there on, you know, auto theft charges. And in the course of sitting around all day, they're telling this person, how do you hotwire a car? Uh, well, when you come out and you have a criminal record now and you're having a very hard time finding a job. And now all of these things that you learned in prison are new skills that you have been taught, society is unwilling to accept you back in to be a productive member of society. Um, And in some cases, you lose your driver's license for six months after you come out of prison, so you can't even drive to a job if you wanted to. And somehow we expect people to be more able to be productive members of society when really we we have set this perfect scenario for them to turn to illegal means of supporting themselves just surviving and plus their new friend group that they just met in prison is all in the black market drug world so yeah. if, when you can't find a job doing something that you want to do or even that you have aspired to your whole life uh you now you've got this new network yeah, of yeah. people in the drug world yeah you know, yep so. yep it won't solve everything um and we have to be okay with that we have to be able to to sit with that complex problems are very difficult to sit with and say, you know what, we can't, there's no easy fix to this. There's no immediate 100% fix. We and have to human be okay beings are that. flawed. I mean, human yes. beings are just, you can't count on them to yes. do the perfect thing every time. So we've yes. got to allow for the fact that there is no perfect system. Yep. Yeah. So we're going to take these seven objections and future episodes. We'll delve into them more deeply with uh, bringing in experts to talk about these things. Um, and we hope that you'll join us for that. The role of addiction in trauma 
are we harming those who have already been um, harmed and sometimes uh, the most harmed among us already? Spiritual impacts of that. We'll have a pastor come in and talk about this kind of from a, a spiritual standpoint, because uh, especially here in Mississippi, um, so many of us identify as Christians. And so we we need ways to think about this that are and still in our country is is very largely Christian influenced. Um, how can we think about the the spiritual impacts of that? What's the way that we can uh, address these issues and be consistent still with um, what we believe? I'm still a Christian. This hasn't turned me into uh, a non-Christian. I think this is very consistent with a biblical uh, worldview. I'm still politically conservative. This hasn't turned me into uh, somebody who's liberal. I think these are. We need to be able to to sit with these issues and and it's hard to figure out how do they actually all work together Uh, that takes uh, vulnerability for us to say maybe I've been wrong and to be able to come to the table and say okay let's let's wrestle with this Uh, there's a lot of people that I talk about with this that don't end up at the same place that I am where I feel like a regulated legalized drug market across the board is the best way that we get the least amount of harm to people. Um, and that's okay. We need to be at the table together. We're losing 202 people a day to overdoses. We have the highest incarceration rate in the world by far. The United States has 4% of the world's population and 25% of the world's incarcerated mm, people. Mm. Um, we have a massive incarceration problem here. We need to be able to sit with these things and deal with these things. These are, these are real people and families who are being affected by loss of loved ones or loss of loved ones to incarceration, if not to overdose or something else. So uh, we'll have law enforcement come in and, and talk about kind of their perspective on this and ways that uh, a regulated drug market could be a positive thing um, for them. So we hope you'll join us uh, on continuing episodes of the End It For Good podcast um, here with my co-host, Mike Madison, and I'm your host, Christina Dent, and we'll see you next time. So how do we end our criminal approach to drugs? By changing one mind at a time. Many people are only willing to have this conversation when they are invited to by someone they trust. That's you. Invite your friends, family, and people in your circle of influence to consider a better way. At End It For Good, our hope is that people who hear will become people who tell. Join the movement to end it for good.